Chapter thirty four of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Lefanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty four Zamil. It was all vain my remonstrating. She vowed that by crossing the stepping stones close by, she could, by a short cut, reach the house and return with my pencils and block book in a quarter of an hour away then with many a jump and fling scampered milly's queer white stockings and navvy boots across the irregular and precarious stepping-stones over which i dared not follow her so i was fain to return to the stone so pure and flat on which i sat enjoying the grand sylvan solitude the dark background and the grey bridge midway so tall and slim across whose ruins a sunbeam glimmered and the gigantic forest trees that slumbered round opening here and there in dusky vistas and breaking in front into detached and solemn groups it was the setting of a dream of romance it would have been the very spot in which to read a volume of german folk-lore and the darkening colonnades and silent nooks of the forest seemed already haunted with the voices and shadows of those charming elves and goblins as i sat here enjoying the solitude and my fancies among the low branches of the wood at my right i heard a crashing and saw a squat broad figure in a stained and tattered military coat and loose short trousers one limb of which flapped about a wooden leg he was forcing himself through his face was rugged and wrinkled and tanned to the tint of old oak his eyes black bead-like and fierce and a shock of sooty hair escaped from under his battered wide awake nearly to his shoulders this forbidding-looking person came stumping and jerking along toward me whisking his stick now and then viciously in the air and giving his fell of hair a short shake like a wild bull preparing to attack i stood up involuntarily with a sense of fear and surprise almost fancying i saw in that wooden-legged old soldier the forest demon who haunted der freischutz so he approached shouting hello you how came you here to see and he drew near panting and sometimes tugging angrily in his haste at his wooden leg which sunk now and then deeper than was convenient in the sod this exertion helped to anger him and when he halted before me his dark face smirched with smoke and dust and the nostrils of his flat drooping nose expanded and quivered as he panted like the gills of a fish an angrier or uglier face it would not be easy to fancy you'll all come when you like will you and in and out but what pleases yourself won't you and who thou dost dear who are ye i say and what the deal seek in the woods here come bestir thee if his wide mouth and great tobacco-stained teeth his scowl and loud discordant tones were intimidating they were also extremely irritating the moment my spirit was roused my courage came i am miss ruffin of knoll and mr silas ruffin your master is my uncle oh he exclaimed more gently and if silas be thy uncle thou'lt be come to live wi' him and that she has come overnight eh i made no answer but i believe i looked both angrily and disdainfully and what make ye alone here and how was i to note and milly not wi' you and or no one but maud or no maud i wouldn't let the duke hisself set foot inside the paling without silas said let him 
and you may tell silas them's the words of dickon hawkes and i'll stick to em and what's more i'll tell him myself i will i'll tell him there be no use of my striving and straining he day and night and night and day watching again poachers and thieves and gipsies and they robbing lads if rules won't be kept and folk do just as they pleases dang it lass thou in luck i didn't have a brick at thee when i saw thee first i'll complain of you to my uncle i replied so do and and happen you'll find thyself in the wrong box lass thou canst na say i'd set the dogs after thee nor couldst thee so much as a wry name nor heave a stone at thee did i well where's the complaint then i simply answered rather fiercely be good enough to leave me well i make no objections mind i'm taking thy word that maud ruffin happen thou beast and happen thou bain't i'm not a weirant but i takes thy word and all i want to know just this did meg open the gate to thee i made him no answer and to my great relief i saw milly striding and skipping across the unequal stepping-stones hello pegtop what are you after now she cried as she drew near this man has been extremely impertinent you know him milly i said why that's pegtop dickon dirty old hawks that never was washed i tell you lad you'll see what the governor thinks o't <laughs> he'll talk to you i done or said nout not but i should and there's the fact she can't deny it she hadn't a hard word from i and i don't care the top of that thistle what no one says not i but i tell thee milly i stopped some of thy pranks and i'll stop more you'll be shy no more stones at the cattle tell your tales and welcome cried milly i wish i was here when you jog cousin if winnie was here she'd catch you by the timber toe and put you on your back ay she'll be a good un yet if she takes after thee retorted the old man with a fierce sneer drop it and get away wi ye she cried or maybe i'll call winnie to smash your timber leg for you aha there's morant she's a sweet un isn't she he replied sardonically you did not like it last easter when winnie broke it with a kick twas a kick our horse he growled with a glance at me twas no such thing twas winnie did it and he laid on his back for a week while carpenter made him a new one and milly laughed hilariously i'll fall no more wi ye losing my time i won't but mind ye i'll speak with silas and going away he put his hand on his crumpled wide awake and said to me with a surly difference good evening miss ruffin good evening ma'am and you'll please remember i did not mean nout to vex thee and so he swaggered away jerking and waddling over the sward and was soon lost in the wood it's well he's a little bit frightened i never saw him so angry i think he is awful mad perhaps he really is not aware how very rude he is i suggested i hate him we were twice as pleasant with poor tom driver he never meddled with any one and was always in liquor old gin was the name he went by but this brute i do hate him he comes from wigan i think and he's always spoiling sport and he whops meg that's beauty you know and i don't think she'd be half as bad only for him listen to him whistling i did hear whistling at some distance among the trees i declare if he isn't calling the dogs climb up here i tell ye 
and we climbed up the slanting trunk of a great walnut tree and strained our eyes in the direction from which we expected the onset of pegtop's vicious pack but it was a false alarm well i don't think he would do that after all hardly but he is a brute sure and that dark girl who would not let us through is his daughter is she yes that's meg beauty i christened her when i called him beast but i call him pegtop now and she's beauty still and that's the way it come sit down and make your picture she resumed as soon as we had dismounted from our position of security i'm afraid i'm hardly in the vein i don't think i could draw a straight line my hand trembles i wish you could maud said milly with a look so wistful and entreating that considering the excursion she had made for the pencils i could not bear to disappoint her well milly we must only try and if we fail we can't help it sit you down beside me and i'll tell you why i begin with one part and not another and you'll see how i make trees and the river and yes that pencil it is hard and answers for the fine light lines but we must begin at the beginning and learn to copy drawings before we attempt real views like this and if you wish it milly i'm resolved to teach you everything i know which after all is not a great deal and we shall have such fun making sketches of the same landscapes and then comparing and so on milly quite delighted and longing to begin her course of instruction sat down beside me in a rapture and hugged and kissed me so heartily that we were very near rolling together off the stone on which we were seated her boisterous delight and good nature helped to restore me and both laughing heartily together i commenced my task dear me who's that i exclaimed suddenly as looking up from my block-book i saw the figure of a slight man in the careless morning dress of a gentleman crossing the ruinous bridge in our direction with considerable caution upon the precarious footing of the battlement which alone offered an unbroken passage this was a day of apparitions milly recognized him instantly the gentleman was mr carisbroke he had taken the grange only for a year he lived quite to himself and was very good to the poor and was the only gentleman for ever so long who had visited at bartram and oddly enough nowhere else but he wanted leave to cross through the grounds and having obtained it had repeated his visit partly induced no doubt by the fact that bartram boasted no hospitalities and that there was no risk of meeting the county folk there with a stout walking-stick in his hand and a short shooting-coat and a wide-awake hat in much better trim than zamil's he emerged from the copse that covered the bridge walking at a quick but easy pace he'll be going to see old snoddles i guess said milly looking a little frightened and curious for milly i need not say was a bumpkin and stood in awe of this gentleman's good breeding though she was as brave as a lion and would have fought the philistines at any odds with the jawbone of an ass appany won't see us whispered milly hopefully but he did and raising his hat with a cheerful smile that showed very white teeth he paused charming day miss ruthyn i raised my head suddenly as he spoke from habit appropriating the address it was so marked that he raised his hat respectfully to me and then continued to milly mr ruffin i hope quite well but i need hardly ask you seem so happy will you kindly tell him that i expect the book i mentioned in a day or two and when it comes i'll either send or bring it to him immediately 
Milly and I were standing by this time, but she only stared at him, tongue-tied, her cheeks rather flushed, and her eyes very round, and to facilitate the dialogue, as I suppose, he said again, "'He's quite well, I hope?' Still no response from Milly, and I, provoked, though myself a little shy, made answer, "'My uncle, Mr. Ruffin, is very well, thank you,' and I felt that I blushed as I spoke. "'Ah, pray excuse me. May I take a great liberty? You are Miss Ruffin of Knoll? Will you think me very impertinent? I am afraid you will, if I venture to introduce myself. My name is Carisbroke, and I had the honour of knowing poor Mr. Ruffin when I was quite a little boy, and he has shown a kindness for me since, and I hope you will pardon the liberty I fear I have taken. I think my friend Lady Knollys, too, is a relation of yours.' what a charming person she is oh is not she such a darling i said and then blushed at my outspoken affection but he smiled kindly as if he liked me for it and he said you know whatever i think i dare not quite say that but frankly i can quite understand it she preserves her youth so wonderfully and her fun and her good nature are so entirely girlish what a sweet view you have selected he continued changing all at once i've stood just at this point so often to look back at that exquisite old bridge do you observe you're an artist i see something very peculiar in that tint of the grey with those odd cross stains of faded red and yellow i do indeed i was just remarking the peculiar beauty of the colouring was i not milly milly just stared at me and uttered an alarmed yes and looked as if she had been caught in a robbery "'Yes, and you have so very peculiar a background,' he resumed. "'It was better before the storm, though, but it is very good still.' Then a little pause, and, "'Do you know this country at all?' rather suddenly. "'No, not in the least. That is, I've only had the drive to this place, but what I did see interested me very much.' "'You'll be charmed with it when you know it better. The very place for an artist.' i'm a wretched scribbler myself and i carry this little book in my pocket and he laughed deprecatingly while he drew forth a thin fishing-book as it looked they are mere memoranda you see i walk so much and come unexpectedly on such pretty nooks and studies i just try to make a note of them but it is really more writing than sketching my sister says it is a cipher which nobody but myself understands however i'll try and explain just two because you really ought to go and see the places oh no not that he laughed as accidentally the page blew over that's the cat and fiddle a curious little pot-house where they gave me some very good ale one day milly at this exhibited some uneasy tokens of being about to speak but not knowing what might be coming i hastened to observe on the spirited little sketches to which he meant to draw my attention I want to show you only the places within easy reach, a short ride or drive. So he proceeded to turn over two or three, in addition to the two he had first proposed, and then another, then a little sketch just tinted, and really quite a charming little gem, of Cousin Monica's pretty gabled old house, and every subject had its little criticism, or its narrative, or adventure. As he was returning this little sketch-book to his pocket, still chatting to me he suddenly recollected poor milly who was looking rather lowering but she brightened a good deal as he presented it to her with a little speech which she palpably misunderstood 
for she made one of her old curtsies and was about i thought to put it in her large pocket and accept it as a present look at the drawings milly and then return it i whispered at his request i allowed him to look at my unfinished sketch of the bridge and while he was measuring distances and proportions with his eye milly whispered rather angrily to me and why should i because he wants it back and only meant to lend it to you whispered i lend it to me and after you bury me wick if i look at a leaf of it she retorted at high dudgeon take it lass give it him yourself i'll not and she popped it into my hand and made a sulky step back my cousin is very much obliged i said returning the book and smiling for her and he took it smiling also and said i think if i had known how very well you draw miss ruthyn i should have hesitated about showing you my poor scrawls but these are not my best you know lady knollys will tell you that i can really do better a great deal better i think and then with more apologies for what he called his impertinence he took his leave and i felt altogether very much pleased and flattered he could not be more than twenty-nine or thirty i thought and he was decidedly handsome that is his eyes and teeth and clear brown complexion were and there was something distinguished and graceful in his figure and gesture and altogether there was the indescribable attraction of intelligence and i fancied though this of course was a secret that from the moment he spoke to us he felt an interest in me i am not going to be vain it was a grave interest but still an interest for i could see him studying my features while i was turning over his sketches and he thought i saw nothing else it was flattering too his anxiety that i should think well of his drawing and referring me to lady knollys carisbroke had i ever heard my dear father mention the name i could not recollect it but then he was habitually so silent that his not doing so argued nothing End of chapter thirty four